Hi, this is David Pepos, the writer of Spencer and Locke, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues. Adrian has issues. I'm here at Eastside Mags in Montclair, New Jersey. It's always a pleasure to come back to the store, which, of course, shout out to Jeff and the staff here for letting me once again um, run my mouth in their shop. But today I'm joined by some really awesome guests. So actually, as it turns out, you're both from Jersey originally. I am. Chris, Chris, are you from Jersey? I'm from Jersey. All right. Cool. Yes, the answer is yes. Actually, here, pull up a chair if you want. Come on, we can share. So this is actually fun because now I have two creators here, both from Jersey. One on the East Coast and the other now in the San Francisco area. But I'm sure you've heard about the book, Dead and Kids, Source Point Press. It's one of those books that is getting a lot of acclaim. Completely undeserved, by the way. It's a terrible book. I beg to differ, but I- <laughs> it's been selling out like mad. And well, <laughs> like Chris mad. This is going to be a shit show. I can just. Oh, no. But see, the thing is, though, those are always the best. And um, actually, Jeff could attest to this. I mean, considering the last time I was in the store with American Larry and Fabian Lillet, um, if I didn't get kicked out of the store after that episode, you guys would be fine. Challenge accepted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let me do a proper introduction. Right. <laughs> well, I have to, I guess I mentioned that to you guests. I have Frank Gogol, who is the writer of Dead and Kids, the Source Point Press, um, who's also a Ringo Award nominated writer. Uh, my first book, Grief, that I wrote was nominated. So I'm a nominee, but so are all my collaborators. It's a short story collection. So there are 10 other people who were involved in the creation of it who are too many to name right now, but they're awesome. Check out the book and you'll know who all of them are. Oh, look, we have a list. Very cool. Nainad Savitakanen. That is a fantastic name. Yeah, he's a uh, Serbian. Kim Holm, Ryan Faust, Bethany Varney, Jay Saliva, Luca Bulgaroni, Esther P. Gilmolina, Emily Elmer, Sean Reinhart, who actually also worked on Dead and Kids. Yeah, he's he's like my go-to letter. And actually, wrote, so wrote. did Anad, so let me actually yeah. not be remiss to mention them. And Danny Martinez. So what I want to get into real quick is Dead and Kids. Let's just go right off the bat. Like I said, this book has been flying off the shelves. And matter of fact, I actually wrote this down because I thought this was pretty remarkable. The first printing was going upwards of like $30 before release and issues one and two uh, basically broke into the top 400 worldwide sales. Yeah. And I'm not saying this in any sort of like mean-spirited sense, but how the hell does that happen? <laughs> uh, it's it's like a like a perfect storm of circumstances, honestly. Like some of it's, it's grind. Like I did, I called like a thousand comic shops to tell them about the book and sent PDFs to everyone who would look at it. I was on like 50 podcasts, you know, doing stuff like this. Um, just did my best to scream about the book from every rooftop I could get on. And yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, like some of the stuff like was like circumstantial. Like I, we did a, like a, a release variant. So like when we announced it at C2E2 last year or this year, rather, um, I had done like a short print run, 25 copies variant right. cover. Um, and some anonymous buyer bought half of them and got them graded and they all came back nine eights and he like threw one up on eBay and like it, it sold for a whole bunch of money in advance of the book. And I think that helped like contribute to the buzz. So like, there's like some stuff that was, like I said, grind and some of it was like really lucky circumstances. Um, I, 
to to say it objectively, like I mean, I can't really. I wrote the book, but I think that it's a good book too, and I think that that's sometimes that makes a difference. Like a lot of people will come to a hot book for number one, then not come back for two or three. But sales right. in number two were consistent enough for us to get to a second printing stage, and number three sold out as well. So like. Yeah, again, like I'm not a unbiased source here, but I think that the general consensus is that the book was pretty good. I think the, the average review rating for all three issues is like an 8.9 or a 9 out of 10. Which is fantastic. And again, for a first yeah. shot out, that is really cool. <laughs> so I actually want to kick it over real quick, though, to um, your buddy over here, Chris Matt, um, also Jersey native. Actually, maybe I'm asking which part of Jersey? Uh, right now, I've been like the coast, uh, Red Bank, Eatontown area. Oh, okay. The good um, part. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's okay. Jersey has a good part. The okay part. The okay part. Um, Jersey has a good part. Pretty much any part that's not southern. South Jersey. Jersey. You mean North Delaware? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, South Jersey. Any of you who buy comics, you're awesome. The rest of you, eh, your sports teams are very suspect. Oh, 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 let's not even get into the sports teams, which, all right, you know what? That's right. In another podcast, I pretty much like did a eulogy for Grady, so I'm already putting my foot. Listen, <laughs> I, I hate all Philly teams, but Grady's my dude. I don't know, we can't even talk about it. This would be a whole podcast unto itself. But, <laughs> I mean, he's he's leading like the Antifa movement. Like, Grady's my boy. Yeah, you know, I'll give him credit for that, though, but I'm like, man, why why this team? What the fuck did you get so scary? Yeah, like how? How is that like, possible? Like, what did the average person have to go through to become that? Forget Joker. Let's get that origin movie made. How does someone become gritty? <laughs> I just, Chris, I just got our next comic book idea. Completely unrelated to what we're talking about right now. But Chris would draw the ever-loving shit out of that. I'll give it a try. Gritty begins. <laughs> <laughs> comic artist, illustrator, graphic designer, and also did the cover art for Dead and Kids. And also just overall badass dude. Really awesome. So I also just thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. No, anytime. Well, first and foremost, you should get into the premise for those who may not know what Dead and Kids is about. But what I really want to get into is the creative process, because what I also talk a lot about on the show is not even just the comics, but the steps it took to even make it working together as a collaborative team. And generally, like what was going through the heads of the people who are making this? So give me like a brief overview of what Dead and Kids is about. Uh, sure. Uh, Dead and Kids is the story of three kids in the late 90s trying to solve their friend's murder. So think like uh, Stand By Me meets the Hardy Boys, but maybe a little darker, a little more violent, um, a little more realistic, if I can say something like that. Right. Um, at, it, at its core, it's really about these these kids and, and like sort of exploring the ideas of childhood trauma and whether the things that happen to you when you're young sort of define and, and tell you who you end up becoming or if you have like some some say in that situation. Um and like that was the question I started with before I started writing and and sort of the the book itself is an exploration of those ideas to make it sound like really highbrow. It's it's about some kids trying to solve a fucking murder. Like <laughs> <laughs> no man, you gotta sell the book though, but that was that's a great premise. I mean Stand By Me it's still one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's it's Stand By Me for kids who are my age, like or guys who are my age now, I'm not kidding anymore. But like I, I grew up in the late nineties and early two thousands and like we haven't really had our sort of time period coming of age. You know, we got Stranger Things for the 80s kids and Goonies right. for the 80s kids. And like, you know, we got like, uh, what's that show with uh, Ralph, not Ralph Macchio, fucking Fred, Fred Savage. Uh, oh, it was like the Wonder, Wonder Years. Years. It's the fucking name of the first issue. So, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's, that was for like people in the early 90s, but about the late 60s and 70s. So like, I, I love stuff like that, but it also pisses me off because like, you know, you get to the end of Stand By Me and you find out these kids who just went through this whole big thing 
end up not being friends anymore. Yeah, and it was and, that was terrible. Like, and then the same thing in, in, in Sandlot. Like, oh, at the end of the summer, we all fucking moved away and never talked again. And Mikey got stabbed in the neck in a McDonald's twenty years later. Like, yeah, oh, like oh. what was that? Like as a kid, I'm like, this is great. Like we're all afraid of the dog. They get the ball and they become friends. And then it's like, oh, half the like team got like wiped out in like a war and or nom, something. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, Jesus. Storm. Yeah, so I like stories like that, but I hate that sort of trope of them ending with the kids not being friends anymore. Like, I'm still right. very close friends with the kids I grew up with. I got married two weekends ago now, or a week and a half ago. Congratulations. And thank you. Um, but one of my groomsmen was my best friend growing up. Like, I mean, like, I'm still tight with the kids I grew up with, and that, you know, these other coming-of-age stories don't really speak to my experience, like, that, you know, we stayed friends, and, like, yeah, the idea that best friends means best friends forever. And so so that was another thing I was sort of looking to explore. It's a, it's a selfish story. It's about like what I wanted to see in a book. That's kind of how this podcast started. And I think that a lot of people, I mean, maybe I shouldn't necessarily speak for them, but I'd imagine when you are a creator, you're thinking to yourself, well, what is it that if I was experiencing this, what would I want to see? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I always sit down to write a book and like I have this like existential experience like, oh, my God, nobody's going to like this. But it's the book that I wish that was on stands that I could read. This is the kind of story I would like to see. So I, I just I try to write as you know honestly as I can in that way. And yeah, you know, uh, two books out now, and I, so far two for two, I guess, with people responding well to them. So I guess that might be a tried and true formula at this point. Yeah, for, like you said, that formula just seems to resonate. You know, it's what he wants, so he puts in fucked up shit. <laughs> <laughs> He puts in the effort to make it resonate with people. I, right. I think there's something to like exploring stuff that is emotional. Like, I mean, not for nothing that most of the comic book reading community up until just recently was, was largely male. Right. Right. And, and as a society, not to get all woo woo and whatever about it, but like we're, we're generally trained not to be emotional and not to like deal with things in an outwardly sort of vulnerable way. And like the stuff, like I wrote a book called grief and it's about the grieving process. And I wrote about kids who are best friends, you know, dealing with the death of their friend. And like, these are not tender topics, but like, you know, tough topics and, and, and right. require a level of vulnerability. And yeah, I don't know if, if, if it's resonating with people, maybe this is something that is worth exploring more. Right. And we on the show have said this a lot to other guests. And I think you have guests other than me. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I'm out. this. I'm done. He's done. He's like, I thought this was the first episode. Jeff, you promised this was the first one. <laughs> he, f- <laughs> he found out that this wasn't his, the very first episode of Adrian Has Issues. I thought this is has issues with Frank. Number one. <laughs> oh, are we rebooting? Are we just doing renumbering now? <laughs> yeah, well, it works for Marvel. So- sorry, Marvel. I didn't. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that, Marvel. Please, please, please hire me. Is that what I've been doing wrong? Have I not been re- rebooting enough with new numbering? I mean, if you, if you want a sales bump, all new, all different. Adrian has issues, but it's like me. But, but it's, it's the same issues. It's just, yeah. <laughs> all all new, new, new. All 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 new new. <laughs> X now again, men. Like it's, it's, it's fine. Listen, like no, House ser- of Adrian. Ser- ser- seriously, of Marvel, Adrian. hire me, please. Oh, but that's great. But no, like I getting I off think, topic, man. I don't care. Like <laughs> speaking of one of the last times I was in here, actually both times. You know, I enjoy doing an interview, but at the same time, I also want to have a conversation because to me, I think that's a more interesting and Q and A's are cool. But you know what, though? I want to know you guys. Of course, you have to like let people know about your work. And so you have like these very kind of like pointed things to mention. But you know what, though? 
Look, if someone wants to talk about a wrestler who like flips people over with his crotch, then we could talk about that. Or yes, let's talk about that. That sounds awesome. Oh yeah, it was a uh, Joey Ryan, uh, one of the last episodes I did in here, and there was also another episode where I was flat told. Um, shout out to Joe Caramani, where I was like, you know what? I'd rather just talk about hockey. I'm like, I'm good with that. I'm just hoping, yeah, the Bruins win the cup this time. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> choking the end. Anyway, anyway. Well, yeah, like I was saying, though, I think as far as the new crop of comic book creators and readers and just even stories that have been coming out, that seems to be a through line, whether it even be like a big two, big three, whatever comic first or even like a creator owned. There needs to be some sort of emotional attachment to it. And I think what's also cool is, like you had said, I mean, it's not cool, but it is unfortunate that growing up a lot of us and, you know, even growing up with me, it's like. Guys were told we're not supposed to be that. We're not supposed to talk about our yeah, emotions. I, I, or, I don't cry. Fuck that. Yeah, there was no way I cried like three times during Avengers Endgame. <laughs> but <laughs> is, that, is that all? Oh no, like all the times. But I think it is really important to show that you know, even with down readers, like this is something that you also go through, and it's something to not really be ashamed of. And I think that in small steps, the more we kind of show that, even in, especially with art that'll kind of come through more and more. So I think that's really cool that, you know, in your way you've expressed that through your work. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we were just joking about all the new Marvel number ones, but I think at least part of the problem with any new number one that ends up failing is there, there's sort of like, you have a cool premise, like, you know, three kids trying to solve a murder in the late nineties and it right. brings people to the book and they check out issue one. And, and then you don't give a shit about the characters you're reading about. It's just, it's all style and no substance, or it's just not, it's not connecting and then you don't come back for number two so like a cool hook is great but like if you don't have characters people give a shit about they're not coming back for number two and one of the things i worked really hard on in the first issue of this was to in one page each really introduce you to each of these characters and make you care about what happens to them right and if you don't care about the characters and that was the point like they are the book yeah yeah it's it's called dead end kids not dead end Cool story. <laughs> <laughs> Dead and cool story. That sounds like a lot of comics I read growing up. It's the 90s. <laughs> They're coming back, too. A lot of shoulder pads. A lot of pouches. Get ready. I did not put enough shoulder pads in this book. There, I, honestly, I can say, and I'm not trying to critique your work, such what you hear, but you know what? I'm sorry, guys. There, I don't see any shoulder pads. There's no pouches. There's, well, there's no eye patches. No, no one has gotten the greatest 90s reference on the first cover that Chris totally did on purpose. Can you see those characters' feet? Wow. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so let's quick get over to Chris, if you don't mind. Because I actually also, one of the things I want to talk about is the creative journey. And again, you know, you being relatively local, what's your background and, you know, how as far as, you know, you getting into art and illustration and eventually meeting this guy? Getting into art was, I didn't get into it. I just did it. It was just something for me to keep me quiet. Right, here's a pad, pencil. Could be quiet over there in the corner. And I could sit there and draw, you know. It wasn't good, but it kept me quiet. But it wasn't something I ever thought to pursue. I right. wanted music. And I tell everyone this, you know. You know, when I was first getting into comics, I also had a band. And I was thinking, oh, wow, this is cool. All this artwork's great. I mean, you know, Spider-Man, McFarlane. But I could draw at a drawing table or sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Right. Which, which is more attractive. Why not both? Back in the 80s, you couldn't do both. You didn't have that. Right. <laughs> it's paper or Coke. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you made the right choice, personally. 
But uh, getting into graphic design was just I got hired to do some lettering at an awning company. And they sat me down with a computer. They wanted to start doing computer graphic. They said, here, take this home for the weekend. Learn it. It was uh, Corel 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was that. Bit of a throwback. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dating myself. Actually, I am kind of interested about the music part as far as the band. Um, How long were you in the band for? I played in a band up until 2000. Okay. Somewhere from like 86 to... I was in a couple different bands. Hey, Chris. Recorded a few albums. I was, I was born in 1987. I was born in 84. Who's counting? Well, I just wanted to let him know that he was in a band. Oh. <laughs> see, now you, now you brought the... <laughs> yeah, see, basically he's telling me that he's the same age as my first child. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're breaking a lot of new ground here. I, I feel like this is... Uh... Therapeutic. It really yeah. is. Let the healing begin. Listen, that, that cover for Dead End Kids number one is pretty tight. Like, I mean, you might be beating beating young women off at New York Comic Con, and it might not be your last kid. <laughs> oh, they're my last. <laughs> I made sure of that. That was a gift to myself after my third. This is getting personal. Right? <laughs> oh, by the way, if you want anything, cut out like Cut out all of Chris's stuff. Wow. Or are we going to like mix down his bass like he's... <laughs> Like he's Jason Newstead, just makes everything down where you don't hear him anymore. Let's edit it together in such a way that he says things that he didn't actually say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have much of a filter, I guess. <laughs> that is that is appropriate. I think it's befitting of growing up on the East Coast. You just don't have one. I can, I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trick is to just hone it where that way you don't sound like an awful person. But yeah, as far as like the music, you said he had been in uh, bands up until the 2000s, um, released a couple albums. I'm actually, if you want me to ask, what band was this? Um, just a bunch of different ones. I played with, uh, I had my own band, uh, Insidious Threat. I was with a band called Mercy Circle, Monster Magnet. I knew the singer. I played with him when they first started. He was, he, had, he was actually working at a comic book store when I met him. Aha, uh-huh, everything comes full circle, yeah, exactly. see? Exactly. That's why I always love Monster Magnet, because it's like, they were heavy, they were badass. But you can kind of tell deep down they were giant dorks. <laughs> and I say that with absolute love. <laughs> I <laughs> agree. Yes. <laughs> With that said, seeing as how maybe art wasn't something that you pursued early on, at what point then did you decide to kind of come back around to it and start like doing it on a more regular basis? Four and a half years ago, I started drawing like where I wanted to draw. All right, I'm going to learn. I'm going to figure out. Um, I was doing it therapeutic. I needed to do something with my time. Um, right. I was on a layoff from my day job that I hated. And I say that very lovingly because the owner of the place I work for is my best friend. He's the guy who actually got me into comics. And, uh, yeah, I just, I said, all right, you know, started drawing and I wanted to give this a real shot. And I never went back to work. So I'm learning as I go. Actually, I didn't even get into your backstory as far as. You want to ask for my origin story? Yes, I have Chris's, but what's your origin story? What radioactive creature bit you? (sighs) Not, Not even that good. Uh, we were talking about this on the way up. I was born um, a month early on October 21st in 1987, but I did the math. I was a preemie baby, so I was a month early, and I was born you know, basically what oh, about nine months after uh, Valentine's Day. So, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else can figure out the rest of the details about my origin story, but when the birds love the bees, apparently they make babies and a stork delivers. It's, it's a whole... I'm not really sure how this all works. I'm newly married. I'll find out soon. <laughs> You'll find out when you're older. 
Yeah. Um, but real talk, uh, I don't know, I had what like a lot of people would describe as like a very hard childhood. Um, both of my parents had drug problems. Um, my, we talked about that on the way over here too. Um, but no, um, and my, my dad passed away when I was about a year and a half old from a drug overdose. And my mom raised me single and really sort of struggled with that back and forth. Um, and uh, I was adopted by my friend's family for a long time. And then um, when they couldn't take care of me anymore, um, I ended up in a, a group home, which is sort of like a modern day orphanage for, right. until until I finished high school. And then, yeah, I went to college and, you know, sort of life has been sort of in my own hands ever since then. But um, throughout, like, those first 19 years, like, a lot of sort of messed up shit happened and, like, things that were beyond my control and things I really struggled with. And, like, it's – I don't mean to say it's whatever to be dismissive of it, but like, right. I really – you know, I'm, I'm 32. Like, I've processed and dealt and, 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 and gotten forward in life. And, like, honestly, like, a big part of writing my first book, Grief, was, was sort of revisiting a lot of that stuff that, you know – because I was a you know tough guy in America, you know I had to sort of sweep under the carpet and not really deal with and like, you know, I didn't deal with it in a healthy way. Like I didn't grieve the losses and stuff that I had when I was younger. And like I said, writing that book was was in a lot of ways about going back and sort of doing that the right way as an adult. Right. Um, but that's that's my my very tragic origin story. Maybe not everybody has the exact same upbringing as other one of you, like, or even me, or even like Jeff here behind me. But there's a reason why people gravitate towards comics and to art and these characters, whether they be famous or not. Like, that actually speaks to a lot of us. I mean, comics kind of saved me at a time. Sure. I'd also imagine it's not easy because you're not only making the story as kind of like almost a way to sort of deal with that but it, it's also now being published and that's also being put out into the world so people are reading that so i'm not sure how much they're informed by it but is that ever like intimidating at all ah uh, no no and i can i can see how it could be um i i'm just honestly like may, maybe as a defense mechanism when i was younger i got very used to and comfortable just talking about the stuff like Maybe maybe to solicit sympathy or to like just sort of you know put it out there so that way it didn't come back and like come out. I don't know. Kids can be really cruel, and I could sort of talk in circles about the reasons why. I don't really know, but I did spend a significant amount of energy, you know, just being honest about it when I was a kid. Um, also, in the back of grief, there's a four or five page essay about why I wanted to write about the topic, and a lot of it gets into some of the details we've discussed here and other details that we haven't talked about yet, or maybe won't be. Um, but essentially, it's just, I don't know. I got into comics because I had, like, a, a harder upbringing and, or childhood, rather. Um, and, like, it was sort of like my escape, you know, escapism. I, I would take Superman, Batman, I'd hide in, in my bedroom for hours. Or, you know, I didn't like being at home, so I spent a lot of time outside. But, like, things weren't great there. And comic books were a way to sort of get out of that. Um, right. It, it was it was sort of a love hate relationship because while I had the escapism, I could I couldn't really relate to what I was seeing. Like comics are a little much more mature now than they were in the late nineties um, in terms of the storytelling and the topics that they tackle. Um, but uh, you know, reading Batman Superman, like I didn't really I can't relate to Bruce Wayne. I'm not a billionaire. I can't relate to Superman. He's he's perfect. Part of the reason I started writing comics is because I wanted to talk about these things for therapeutic and cathartic reasons, but also I wanted to create these books that I sort of wish I had. When I was growing mm -hmm. up, like if I could read a book like Grief when I was nine or ten, it might have changed a lot of things. Yeah, I mean it's it's a book about people struggling with things. It's not just about death. You know, there's other topics in there like mental illness and drug addiction and and you know family issues and stuff like that. Things that I've seen in my own life and and in people close to me. 
And if I had seen a book where other people are struggling and, and getting through it, I might have had like a healthier grieving process myself and I right. might have been feeling a little more hopeful back then. So like I just honestly like every time I sit down to write a book, it's really just me sitting down to write a book I wish existed. Thank you for sharing that. Because again, that's not always necessarily the easiest thing. Well, if I could be punny, I'm an open book. <laughs> ha, ha. Where's my Emmy? So Chris, I want to ask you a couple of more questions. Going back to your music, coming into art, you know, as someone who's, I guess, relatively just sort of like started out like in a big way, um, something we also talk about is that journey, because I think what a lot of people who may look on these shows and say like, oh, a lot of these books, like, you know, they're all established characters, so they must be out forever. I think it's also kind of cool when someone's saying, hey, I'm actually... Not, I want to say new to the scene, but you know, it's not like new to the scene. Yes, it is okay. So I wasn't exactly too wrong in that assessment. No. So being being old new, and coming in new. No, I did. <laughs> being old, coming in old. It's a different dynamic because being old, I guess, it also is a different experience. Because I know we were kind of, even though jokingly, there's a age difference between the three of us here. So how has your experiences been getting into the world of like illustration and art, and also the comic scene? Well, like I said earlier. um, I started drawing to occupy my time. Um, I enjoyed a lot of partying. When I gave that up, I started drawing. But um, I guess with the diff- the big difference for me is, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of artists come in as a kid, and they can either make it, you know, get onto large titles quickly. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, it's something cool, you know. Where to me, from being a something therapeutic to help me with my sobriety. I also look at it as a business. So I'm coming at it, not just, Oh, I'm trying to do something cool. I'm trying to do something productive. I'm you know, I I want to, um, I I think everything I do is mediocre at best, but hard disagree. Yeah. It's it's not even that good. Okay. Okay. That that works too. That works too. But every day, you know, it's another opportunity to do a little better. And that's mm-hmm. that's all I care about, doing a little better. I'm just grateful. I don't want to use the word blessed, but, you know, the fact that I can do this is, you know. I, that's awesome. But also, you did also mention something like with business. Now, being in so many bands and having kind of gone through the process of making albums, playing shows, and something I always know is that, much like comics, that is not an easy thing to do, especially like you know, starting out locally onward. So I'd also imagine that some of that also probably fed into your work ethic as far as, you know, doing illustration and even like your comic work. There's no real work ethic. It's you love doing it. So it's, you don't feel it's not work. Yeah. It, it, it's not a day to day grind as, as hectic as it can be. And the late hours and whatever, it's still a blessing. Right, uh, you know, you used it anyway. I did. I did. <laughs> it's interesting. Chris, Chris, and I are like polar opposites. He he works he late in the night, and I get up like at the before the sun to do, to do like my part of the you know the writing part. Um, oh God, you're a morning person, Howard. I'm not a morning person. But <laughs> you gets I'm up an all early. day person. I, I hate sleeping. I feel like I'm wasting time. Yes. Like and that, that and that's that's part of the drive. Like right. I, I get up early because I'm like I could be writing a comic script. Or I can be laying here unconscious, not living my probably very short life. Um, no. The world is on fire. We're all going to die. 
Um, but yeah, like get while the getting's good. In, in spite of the difference in, in the times that we work, the work right. ethic is similar. Like, I mean, it's I don't sit and write because it's like what I want to do, and I don't think Chris sits and draws because it's what he thinks he needs to do. I think it's what we do to keep busy, and it's what makes us happy when we do it. And I think that's that's the difference between the people who you know, quote unquote, make it, and the people who, who want. I, I don't know. You can snip out somebody who's doing it because they want to get famous and because they want to, yeah. Be be high fived or for whatever, you know. And then right. they want the accolades, basically. exactly. And to me personally, I don't necessarily think, in a sense, I mean, feel free to disagree. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that to an extent, because I know everybody has different intentions for why they get into it. But I guess to me, I guess I've always felt that there's better, there's easier ways to do it. Um, Com- comics is a bad one to get into if you want accolades and like quick money and like I mean, there's it's a very thankless thing. Right. And that's always so wild to me when creators are talking about the story coming to fruition and you'll hear like three years, four years. But sometimes you have ideas you sit on for a very long. And I, I know I do this a lot. Like if someone ever finds my journals burning because there's so many things in there, someone's probably like, oh, why do anything with this? Because I'm like, ah, sometimes they just. Yeah. Sometimes an idea just needs time to like percolate. Like, it's so much easier for an artist because you can be anywhere. Oh, I've got an idea. Grab a napkin, draw a stick figure. There's your note. (laughs) As long as you got the pose right. Artists always intrigue me because to me, it's always like, how do you do it? What sorcery do you have? (laughs) You know, but they sit there and think the same thing about us. I hope. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's just different skill sets and like different things that make people happy. It's like like a football player and a basketball player getting together to hang out. And they're like, how do you do that thing you do? And like, but how do you do that thing you do? They're both equally impressive in their own way. It's just two different things that are in sort of the same circle. I used to call myself being an artist where they were essentially just misshapen ovals that wore shoulder pads because it was the 90s. But they, they did a study recently that shows doing any kind of art, even if it's fucking terrible, is therapeutic and you live a better, happier life being artistic. So, yeah, keep drawing your fucked up ovals with shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days I have to find them and like scan them and... I think I'm at a place now where I'm comfortable enough to post them. Listen, if I could volunteer Chris's services, you scan him, he'll ink them, and you'll. You, yeah, we'll, oh, absolutely. We'll put together a comic. No, I'll trust write, me. I'll write a story. You for will it. look at these, and this Chris, is your chance, man. You're gonna. You, you won't even say anything. You're honestly just gonna take the hat off and just walk away solemnly. Like <laughs> there's, there's no help in this Joke's kid. On you, I'm not wearing a hat. <laughs> I'm out before we started. <laughs> I've had some bad ideas. This this is up there. Whether it's an idea that someone would consider bad or good, the fact that you do it at all, because at least for me, even with podcasting, it was an idea that I had, and I'm like, oh, like, you know, it was that I kind of got tired of hearing my own voice being like, oh, maybe another day, maybe another day. And I'm like, I can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Maybe slip and fall. I don't know. Just, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm good on the bus part. I just got to learn how to turn down my music as I cross the street. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's it's only an idea until you start, right? Like, right. I wrote my first comic script. It'll be four years ago in April of next year. So, like, three and a half years ago. And, and now I've got a book that's selling out and a book that's nominated for an award. And those are not related to me starting three and a half years ago, though it's super impressive. <laughs> <laughs> he said, kidding. Um, but it's like the second I decided to start writing comics, I started writing comics. Right. And, like, you know, it's the same is true for podcasts or if you want to be a javelin thrower or an artist or a, a NASCAR driver or a serial killer. Like, the second you put your mind to something, you can you start do it. doing it. Yeah. Like, it's all talk and bullshit until you do it. <laughs> and I spent, I, I have two master's degrees in creative writing. I 
have you know I, I ran my school newspaper because I thought it would teach me how to do layout and graphic design and it did but I spent like 10 years after college talking about making comics and not making comics it, and you know if I could do this in three years what could I have done in 13 years right like, like how much time did I wait well I was gonna say you've got some uh, pretty nice necklace well, too I, as far I, as I, I, your I started the serial killing part I stabbed my first person <laughs> didn't go all the way through yeah and, and I'm gonna know, get you I, back I thought about you know um, now I've got to dismember the uh, it was just, <laughs> and it's like, how much bleach am I supposed to pour? Oh my god, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe I might cut that. You, you guys use bleach? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you once again to Eastside Max for allowing me to like ruin everybody's lives. <laughs> I will say this though. I know it's a really silly question, but dream project. Anybody who's like, we have a suitcase full of money. We want you to make this comic or reboot one. It doesn't matter. Like it's already bankrolled, but basically say the word and it's done. What are you working on? I don't have any dream project, but I do have the goal of doing at least one Batman. Nice. Hey, give yourself some credit. You just inked David Finch on Batman, <laughs> which on was a, nuts, a, by the way. Uh, this guy really did his research. I, I was a very big David Finch fan for a very long time, especially like his X Men stuff. So. I liked his Moon Knight back when. Oh, that Moon Knight run was really good, too. Houston, is that his name? Yeah, it was was Huston Houston. I feel bad. I always mispronounce his last name. So, So what about you? Um, I feel like I've got a a couple answers, and they all are a little different. Like, I I would love to do that Peter Pan sci-fi book. Uh, It would be like a 12-issue series. Um, Don't have anyone in mind, um, though I feel like Wes Craig, if you're listening, you'd be great. Or uh, David Aha. Yeah, get at me. Um, I would love to do a Hawkeye book to really like lean into the character and like make him not a joke. Like as much as I love Fractions Run, like he he he's very dopey in it, and it was a great run. But I would I think this is a guy who has a fucking bow and arrow and runs around with gods. I feel like he commands a little more respect than that. So I, yeah, that, that would be my take. And it was you know what it is. I defend that run to the end because I think it was. I don't. I'm not trying to like speak for Fraction because you know I may not necessarily always know where his head was at, but at least my interpretation of it was for so long that was my and still is one of my favorite Avengers, if not like my absolute favorite. Hawkeye is my favorite. And I would. I two, two other dream projects since we're talking to me. <laughs> okay. Um, I would like to do. I would like to do Iron Fist as a Mortal Kombat style book. Like really, just get a huge. Like they always get on the the edge of like a kung fu tournament. Uh, I have a pitch for a Dark Avengers book. It's it's Century. Moon Knight, Namor, Quicksilver, like all, all oh, the wow. all the Justice League analogs, but the Marvel versions, but the, right. like, the pissed off ones. <laughs> just, the, the first arc and the only arc, arc is called Powder Keg, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my dreams. Yeah, but Hawkeye would be a great one. And I think that run, they kind of had to lean on it a little bit because for so many people, you know, I even heard this during the Avengers movies, everybody's kind of cracking on them. Hawkeye's the heart and soul of the MCU event. Yeah, Lemire's run wasn't bad either, though. No, I, I liked it. And actually, I own a page of uh, Ramon Perez's art from it. Um, they had those watercolor pages of the circus scenes. I've got um, some scenes of like some elephants doing like circus stuff and a couple other um, hanging in my apartment. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out to chat with me. This has been an absolute blast. Um, but before we go, something I always like to do since is customary is the shameless plugs. You got to do them. Let everyone know where they can find you, your work. Definitely let's plug Dead and Kids and what else you got going on. You can find me at Chris Mad on Facebook, uh, Gone Mad Graphics, Instagram. Uh, all my stuff is just my name, at Frank Ogle, no space, F-R-A-N-K-G-O-G-O-L. Uh, Instagram's my favorite. Twitter is a necessary evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm on Facebook. I don't have like a, a fan page or anything because I don't know. It feels pretentious. But if anyone anyone who's not a Nazi wants to send me like a friend request, that's cool. And uh, you know, if you guys want to try and pick up dead end kids, good luck. Yeah. Trades coming soon. Okay, the trades are coming soon. In a few months. <laughs> Working on it right now. Absolutely. Well, again, definitely feel free to check that out. Check out Grief. What do you, What do you have to plug? Adrian has issues. <laughs> That's right. I know. <laughs> I have tons of them. Yeah, Adrian has issues. Um, with Frank and Chris. With Frank and Chris. <laughs> this episode one. Oh, that's right. We're renumbering. No, it's the all new, this all also different. The season finale. Oh, it's the season finale and a reboot. Or are we doing the cliffhanger? Is will there be another season? I don't know. It depends on. Um... If I were him, I would not have me back on the show. <laughs> I, I don't I know. Would, we started. Were, I'd be back though. Ah, oh, see. Like... Well, I mean, you'd want me back. I know. Oh, Absolutely. So it's gonna be you guys and not me. Fine, I'll start my own podcast with with, with Blackjack. Oh, we're going, we're going back to the ovals. I'll, I'll start my own right? podcast. Start no, my- see, now that I've said that, I'm gonna have to produce the art one day, and it's just kind of like whatever cred I may have had. I will start my own podcast with Blackjack. He will draw his own ovals. <laughs> you know what? Forget Blackjack. <laughs> I forget the whole thing. Well, see, the thing is, we'll start with a new lineup. It'll just be me and Chris. And then you'll show up in, like, I don't know, maybe the annual, because everybody's like, is he coming back? Surprise guest star. Right? This is too meta for me. I can't do this. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it for the all-new, all-different Adrian has issues. We'll see you next issue. For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.